The Run, Lift, Mom podcast is brought to you by my efforts as a Zaya Active Independent Representative and partners, Hello Woofy for social media, Red H Nutrition, and Audible. Audible is the newest of this lineup, and if you want to try Audible free, all you've got to do is visit audibletrial.com slash runliftmom. Welcome to the Run Lift Mom podcast, where we're talking about running, lifting, and momming, not necessarily in that order. And sometimes I'm giving you a repeat because it is February. There is no one better to celebrate with than Jen Lawson, Executive Director of the American Heart Association. But this is an interview from last year, so it's a re-release. I've got a lot of new listeners, and I fear that you missed out on one of the most powerful and tactical episodes I have ever done on this show. Without further Without further ado, this is a re-release from Jen Lawson, Executive Director at the American Heart Association. We are talking about finding and telling your why, as well as tactical ideas for fundraising in a crowded space. Welcome to the Run Lift Mom podcast, where we're talking about running, lifting, and momming, not necessarily in that order. You probably saw the episode description, fundraising for races in a crowded space, and thought, hey, we're going to be talking about running a lot today. And we are going to talk about running. I've got Jen Lawson, who is an executive director here in North Carolina for the American Heart Association. And she has a wealth of knowledge as far as creative campaigns, making them effective. I know she is going to help somebody with their efforts to raise money to a cause that is near and dear to their heart. I know she's going to be helpful with that. But you guys, the first half of this podcast is a must listen for the mother part. We got on the line, we're doing our brief, and Jen's like, hey, Suze, I'm willing to open up about Graham. Graham is part of her personal story. It is very much a part of her motherhood story. And Jen gets into her why, her reason for what she does at American Heart Association. It's courageous, it's vulnerable, and you will hear a woman who is positive and hopeful after being dealt one of the saddest providences that a mother can be dealt. So without further ado, meet my friend, Jen Lawson. Jen, welcome to the Run, Lift, Mom podcast. Thanks, Susie. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, you got it. You know, Jen, it's so everybody sees that you work for American Heart Association, and um, they probably think this is going to be like a know your numbers and let's talk about um, lady health and that kind of thing, but that's not the direction we're going in at all. Um, and when I when I ask you to introduce your position, um, you also chose not to, to keep it generic. You're going to share a very personal story with us. I actually want to bat it back to you just to talk to us about what, um, yeah, what your organization means to you and how it's affected you personally. Sure. So I'll share big picture. American Heart Association has been around since 1924. It was put together by a group of cardiologists from New York. 
And so in the past almost 100 years, we have raised billions of dollars for heart disease and stroke research. And so some of the things that have been invented through this funding, like medicated stents, artificial valves, pacemakers, medicines in your cabinet. Like there are so many procedures and gizmos and gadgets and just things that exist now that didn't because of the research that we funded. And they say it takes 10 years bench to bedside for the intelligent um, researcher to invent something, the FDA approves it, and then we start using it in our hospital systems. So big picture, that's what we're about. We fund more research um, than any other nonprofit other than the U.S. government in terms of heart and stroke research. Wow. Wow. Yes. And so, you know, you got my heart racing when you did the intro because I started here. I worked for a college marketing company and was in sales. And so I started here about seven years ago and I had no connection to heart disease and stroke in my family. Within a couple years of working here, my mom was exhausted walking up the stairs and just out of breath. She weighs like a hundred and something pounds. So it wasn't because she was overweight. It turns out she had a blockage in her carotid artery. And so my mom goes in and has a stent put in her carotid artery in her neck. A year or so later, it's clogged with plaque and she has to go back in and have a medicated stent put in laced with chemo. So plaque wouldn't grow in that in that stent in her neck. And so my why was my mom, like all of a sudden, a couple years in. And then 21 months. I want to stop you there. Um, really. So starting with why we've talked on this podcast about starting with why you've got to know why you're doing something. And Jen, I, I don't mean to, to interrupt you there, but like your mom being your why is super powerful. Keep going. It is. <laughs> it is. You're absolutely right. And so it was so scary because Susie, if stents didn't exist, like if this were the 1940s or before, my mom would have just died. And that's that's what happened when these procedures didn't exist. Or if a medicated stent didn't exist, it would keep clogging with with plaque and scar tissue. And so, like, it was such an aha for me that the people who fundraised 20 and 30 years ago, like, literally made this possible for my mom to be here and be able to meet Noah, like my now five-year-old. Yes. And so for years, that was my why. And then I got another uh, slap by the universe, however. So I've got Noah, my little five-year-old. He'll be five February 6th. He was my first little boy. Um, No, nothing wrong, right? 99% for height. Like he weighed over nine pounds. (laughs) Everything was fine. Like he's- Every mom out there is like, oh, whoa, Nelly, nine pounds. (laughs) <laughs> he is uh, he is a hundred percent boy running all over the place. Like I only get to cuddle and hug him like when we're laying in bed at night. And so <clears throat> my husband and I got pregnant with our second little boy, Graham and 20 month ultrasound. They tell me there's something wrong with your baby's heart. And, you know, my heart stops. We had no heart disease in our family. And I mean, this could, Susie, we could talk for 30 minutes all day about it, but long story short, Graham didn't make it. And um, his birthday was May 15th, 2017. He was born at 420 and he passed at 445 due to multiple heart defects coming from my husband and I who had no heart defects in our family. And so one in 110 babies will have a heart defect. It's the number one defect in babies. And so 
my main motivation now, like after 21 months of grief counseling and being able to talk about it, like a year ago, I would not have been able to have this conversation with you. I I never want a family to go through what we went through. So that is my motivation now. And sorry to get choked up, but it is the most life-changing thing possible to lose a child. And so what I get excited about now, let me take a deep breath so I don't (laughs) have tears in my voice. Look, I know like a more experienced podcaster would edit this out. Jen, I'm not. It's super, it's very brave of you to talk about this and it's, it's very powerful. It's very powerful. Well, thank you. And the reason I want to share is I want to be vulnerable and I want to tell the truth because telling the story about my mom is not the biggest story in my life right now. Mm -hmm. And my like it changed our entire family. Like we couldn't live in the house that we lived in, in Kernersville. We sold our house in like 48 hours and moved to high point. (laughs) So it's like, I literally couldn't be in that house that I plan to take him home to. So there's so many different elements to it, but I never want a family to go through this. And imagine like what the funds we're raising now with the heart association and the research we're doing in 20 to 30 years. What if there's like a magic procedure or a magic pill that the mom takes and it like magically fixes her child with a heart defect. Yes. 2049. There's a mother that's at that 20 week ultrasound and she gets the same. She, she has, well, she gets the same diagnosis, but maybe she has a different conversation or a different care plan with her provider because of what's happening now. Yes. Yes. I mean, think about it. So, you know, I don't know. I'm going to, who who knows how many years, say it's 30 or 40 years ago, if you had a heart procedure, they might go in through your femoral artery in your leg, like right there by your thigh. And it takes hours. And then when you come out of it, they lay 40 pound sandbags on you. So you don't bleed out and you have to lay flat on your back, right? (laughs) Nowadays, and this happened to Poppy, like my husband's grandfather, he needed a stent and a heart procedure. They go in through your radial artery in your wrist. They do the angioplasty to clean out the blockage and put in the stent. You're in a twilight zone awake for it because there's no pain. You don't have pain receptors in your heart area. And then you go home the next day. Wow. So we've seen like firsthand how far advancements have come. And so I just get so... I get so passionate about it because the funds that I'm raising today, who knows what will be possible in like 20 to 50 years. And I could help a family from going through what we went through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, oh, Jen. I mean, look, I could cut it off here and it's an amazing, powerful podcast. I'm thinking there are listeners out there. Maybe it's not heart disease, right? Maybe it's something else, but we, we all have these things, these whys, right? Your why is so powerful, we all have these whys that kind of drive us. And of course, this is the Run Lift Mom podcast. And a lot of people are deciding, hey, I want to do a marathon or I want to do this big um, exercise challenge or race. I want to do it and I want to raise these funds that will change lives. So I've actually, I'm really pivoting here. Um, I've brought you on to talk about taking that significant life-changing experience that you are so fired up and passionate about 
and turn it into fundraising dollars for an organization that you care about. Um, and again, for a lot of our, you know, my audience, it's going to be maybe it's marathon runners. Here's the problem. <laughs> Everybody and their brother is doing it on the Facebooks or wherever on social media. And it's a crowded space. So I want to talk to you because, you know, um, you've seen a lot of fundraising there at the American Heart Association. Um, you know what it's like to have a really powerful why behind maybe driving some of those dollars. Can you help us stay yes. out from the crowd <laughs> as we're fundraising for these things that are near and dear to our hearts? Yes, yes, yes. So I'm the executive director here in the triad, like covering Winston, like Forsyth County, Guilford County, and also Iredell. We raise almost $2 million here in fundraising that benefits American Heart. But whether you're passionate about cancer research or JDRF or whatever's personal to you, that's great because they're all doing research to find the next big breakthrough as well. And so you make me think about a few fundraisers here. Um, there's this one young lady named Jenny, and she works in cardio rehab at one of our major hospital systems. The thing about Jenny is this is her cause. For years and years and years and years, four to six weeks before the Heart Walk, everybody knows that Jenny is going to be fundraising for the Winston-Salem Heart Walk, which is in October. And so she goes all in. Like, she wears red in her little name badge at work. It says, like, help me fundraise for the Heart Walk. I'm a team captain. She hangs posters all over cardiac rehab. Like she is all in. Now she does it for four to six weeks. So she doesn't burn people out. Okay. She will do gift baskets. So she'll have um, people donate gift baskets, like lottery tickets. Um, one is like pamper yourself with bath bombs and all cool stuff like valued from, you know, 50 to a hundred dollars. And so you buy raffle tickets and she fundraises and raises a few thousands through selling the raffle tickets and then raffles off the gift baskets. You could also do 50-50 raffles. So that's easy and it'll literally cost you, other than going to Staples and buying a roll of tickets, sell 50-50 raffles. So if you raise four grand, the person who wins gets 2,000 of it and the other goes to charity. Or pull two winners and they each get 1,000 and then the other 2,000 split goes to your charity of choice. And so those are two ideas that's really easy. Yeah. I also, you could do, like, if you want to be fancier and do it, like, in honor of your mom or your sister or someone you've lost, I have people do, like, oyster roasts or a cornhole tournament. So go to your local bar restaurant that you go to all the time and you know the owner and they love you and say, I want to do a charity event. And maybe set a preset menu. So maybe it's $15 for, like, food and drink. You sell tickets for $30 a piece. Have them all come on a set day, do cornhole out in the back patio. And again, you pay the restaurant and then the overage is what you give to charity. So those are different event ideas. You don't need to do an event, though. There is this gentleman in Winston-Salem who's blind. He is a he's part of Winston-Salem Industries for the Blind, and he raises thousands of dollars for that walk every year. He um, he's got someone who helps him write a personal letter and does an email and he sends them out. And again, like this is this thing he does every single year and he'll walk door to door assisted and saying it's heart walk time. Will you please give? And the thing is, you need to ask multiple times. This happened to me with my mom. I shared my mom before I asked my mom via email to make a donation to the Heart Association. She didn't. So then I send her a text a week later saying, Mom, remember, please make a donation to me. She doesn't. Finally, I think it was like the day after the walk, 
I message her again. I'm like, mom, this research literally saved your life. Give me money. Don't answer my campaign. <laughs> so I laugh about that. And I tell that story because like my own mom, people just get busy and they don't remember. So until they tell you like, no, I've given to another charity for this year and I just can't. I just assume they've forgotten about me and haven't done it yet. And you just have to keep following up because if my mom forgot about me and has medicated stent, like in her carotid artery, it, it just shows you like people are busy and it is a crowded space and you've just got to follow up. You know, there's a, there's a saying that goes like, don't attribute to ill will what you can just attribute to being busy. Yes. Um, right. Like, so if sometimes if we don't hear anything, we just assume, Oh, they dislike my charity. They don't no. like me. They just, it's crowded. No, you send them a text and it like gets buried by a dozen other, or they meant to click on the email and go to your link, but the website was broken. Like who knows? But until they say like, no, sorry, I can't just keep following up. Do you feel like that personal ask? Like I hear you talking about the gentleman in Winston-Salem who, um, First of all, the consistency that he does it every year, but it sounds like both him as well as Jenny, they've got that, that personal touch to it. Do you feel like that's yes. a difference maker? Oh, 100%. So we find in um, HeartWalk land, like you can, you make your HeartWalk webpage, putting your personal story on there. If you don't have your personal story on your page, like with a personalized photo, you might raise $250. People raise on average 770 when you put your personal why on the page and you add a few photos because that lets the people you're soliciting know that you actually care about this and you've put in time and effort and it's not the standard like copy that that charity just has on there with the standard like picture of people smiling. So put time in like write a hand, write a letter and then put a personal note at the bottom like Susie, this matters to me. I hope you make a donation in memory of Graham. Yeah. Wouldn't you consider donating something to me, even if it's $10? You know, Jen, I, I was just saying, I bet the listeners of this podcast 10 minutes ago had no emotional <laughs> attachment whatsoever to the American Heart Association. And then we hear Graham's story. It makes a huge, huge difference to put that personal touch. It does. And that's what I do, Susie. Like in the beginning, I fundraised for my mom and now I fundraise for Graham. I raised over a thousand dollars for the heart walk. Um, we call a thousand dollar threshold top walkers. And so you've got to make it personal. There's so many reasons to give and, and, and it's okay. Like if somebody can't give, if they made a big donation to, to American cancer society, then I say like, thank you for supporting that and doing something in our community. And you just move on to the next. Yeah. Yeah, I like that too. Like, you know, if some if it's just not in somebody's wheelhouse to donate, um, you know, thank them for their time or whatever they supported and definitely keep moving on. Um, you know, what do you do? So if you're doing your fundraising, you've got, you know, your personal story, you're putting yourself out there, you're being vulnerable. How do you stay motivated if you are getting a lot of no's or silence, right? Because sometimes that's the hardest part. Well, you know, I come from a sales background, so I just see it all as a fun game. So make yourself a gold chart, like draw a thermometer or make it something fun, like a running shoe or whatever motivates you and put it up. And don't don't focus so much on the money amount, but the ask out. So tell yourself like you're going to sit and send 50 emails, 25 texts and make five phone calls. 
worry about the ask because then the money will follow. And so set a fun game for yourself and then say, you know, I'm going to give it a break for two days, but then I'm going to follow up with everybody. And so that's how I'd stay motivated and just track it. And I think giving yourself a time frame, there's a reason why Movember in November is successful for men because it's a short period of time. You really just want to follow up people for four to six weeks Mm -hmm. because if like it's a year long campaign and your uncle knows like at every social gathering, you're going to ask him for something for the whole year. That's not fun. (laughs) But, But if they know that your marathon's coming up and let them know, say, Hey, my marathon is July 30th. And from, May to June, whatever, I'm going to be fundraising. Like, let people know. Tell people all your business. Here's my goal. Here's my fundraising time frame. Please help me. So then there's no questions about it. I love it. So one, focus on the controllables. Focus yes. on the ask. You can't control yes. how many people are going to click give, but you can control no. how many people you're going to make a personal ask of. Yes. I love that. And then I also like what you're saying about don't burn your network out. So 46 yes. weeks being a magic number. And if you begin fundraising in May, it's okay to talk about it in April. The fundraising police won't get you. Just focus those concentrated efforts within that four to six week period. Sure. You could do some teasers in April to say, this really matters to me. I'm training mm. now, like post some photos of you running, but then start your actually fundraising in your, in your time frame. I love that. I love that. We call it warm the room. You want to warm the room. <laughs> uh, that way, by the time you are actually making the ask, they already know why this is so important to you. If you have that personal story, maybe it's still ringing in their ears. Yes. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Jen, I want to thank you so much. Again, we've got a lot of runners that are listeners of this podcast. Seems like everybody and their brother is fundraising, but this has been really helpful. Consistency, um, doing that four to six week, controlling that ask, being creative and sharing your personal story. Out of the park, Jen Lawson. Totally out of the park. When I told my husband that I was bringing on an executive director from the American Heart Association as part of Heart Health Month, um, he thought it was going to be like a women's heart health, know your numbers type deal. Y'all know me better than that. I'm not going to do something generic like that. Not when I have someone like Jen. The fundraising piece is incredibly helpful. I hope y'all took notes. I've also got some bullets in the show notes to help you out with those efforts. But more so, I want to thank Jen for opening up about her personal story with Graham. It took a ton of courage, the way that you are honoring his memory and being an inspiration to other mothers who have maybe been in your shoes. It's amazing. I am proud to know you, Jen, and I'm so glad that you came on the Run Left Mom podcast. Until I get in your earpiece again, remember, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. That's from 1 Timothy 4.8, and this has been the Run Lift Mom podcast. It's time for the Red H Nutrition Product of the Week, and this week it is Zen Rem. You guys hear me when I say you cannot run, lift, or mom your best if you're not getting proper rest. 
Yes, you are hearing me talk about the same Red H thing over and over again, but Zen Rem is my favorite product. I believe that you'll find a tangible difference in seven days of using this. You can check out details and then in the show notes, you'll see a hyperlink to the Red H Nutrition website. Use code RUNLIFTMOM, that's R-U-N-L-I-F-T-M-O-M for 10% off and get to snoozing. have a race on the horizon that you're fundraising for, I would love to partner with you and be part of your plan. The Zaya Active side of my business is ready, set, made for fundraising. It not only helps you engage folks that might be out of town, but also offer up value for people who want to help you support your charity. Contact me at runliftmompod at gmail.com or you can find me on any of the socials. Shoot me a direct message. Hashtag RunLiftMom. Let's talk about fundraising. Thank you for listening to the RunLiftMom podcast. This show began as a passion project in February 2019 as a way to uplift other women in the areas of running, lifting, and motherhood. I have been blessed by this project, over 30,000 listens, and I have great relationships with the guests who have come on this show, as well as you, dear listener. Listeners, if you can rate, review, and subscribe, that really helps other folks find the show, also keeps my show sponsors happy. Thank you for being a part of the Run Lift Mom podcast. Thank you for listening to the Run Lift Mom podcast. What started as a passion project in February 2019 now has over 60,000 downloads and over 400 listens each day. It is amazing and I know it is because of you, dear listener. I want to thank you for your ratings, reviews, and subscriptions. All you have to do is take a screenshot of your rating or your subscription. If you've already done it, clearly this is fair game. Take a screenshot and go to newreleasewednesday.com. That's newreleasewednesday.com. That's going to put you in a drawing for a free Zaya Active outfit, top and bottom piece, valued at over $100. Newreleasewednesday.com. Show me where you have rated and subscribed, and I'm going to get you in that drawing. Thank you so much for making this passion project possible.